Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Horror movie prequels are becoming a gigantic thing in this industry over the last few years. And the movie Pearl came out on the same year that its predecessor came out. So without letting Dave or Jesse get into like some sort of seven or eight minute monologue, we're going to cover the movie, let you know what we thought about it on this episode of Horror Movie Reviews from Hometown Ghost Stories. Welcome in, everybody. I am your host, Rob. I am joined, as always, by Dave Wilkins and Jesse Wilkins. What's going on? And today we're covering the movie Pearl, which, as I said in the opening, is a prequel. It's kind of weird because it came out less than a year before the original. They shot all of these movies like back to back to back to back to back just to get them all done, um, which is an interesting concept because you had no idea what the first one was going to do, X, which we were we reviewed uh there will be spoilers for x in this movie most likely there's definitely gonna be spoilers for pearl just want to get that out of the way now but uh dave you want to hit us with a synopsis for this pearl was written by ty west and mia goth and directed by ty west trapped on an isolated farm pearl must tend to her ailing father under the watch of her mother lusting for the glamorous life she's seen in movies pearl's temptations and repressions collide so typically I find prequels to be pretty disappointing. And uh, that was not the case with this one. I actually can't wait to go back and watch X now. Uh, having I just watched this movie, like I've just finished it like 20 minutes before we started this review. And uh, I was thoroughly impressed with it. Um, the film gave us a unique look into the origin of the villain from the first movie. And it really helped us understand the character. And I think what made her the way that she was. Um, this movie was, it was well-written and um, well acted pretty much all around but i think that this, this movie was absolutely carried by mia goth's absolute just legendary performance in this movie um i was blown away by her her ability to portray the character that i think was written that she actually had a part in writing for this movie uh she was not a writer on x but she was a writer on pearl which i think is pretty cool and um i think that she's definitely got a, a future in, in writing for horror movies and uh this i i was just pretty much blown away Mostly by her performance in this movie, but uh, all around, I thought this movie was really genuinely good. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was solid. I mean, it's a twenty four, so it's going to drag in the beginning, which I thought it kind of did, but or it took a while to build up. But overall, I thought it was good enough. Um, her performance was phenomenal. I mean, she acted the hell out of this role. So Mia Goth did a phenomenal job. Actually, I don't think there's any bad actors in this movie, which was good, and we didn't have to deal with an old lady who's not an old lady in this movie, who was also being off in the last movie. So that was kind of my issue with X was just cast an old lady, which, I mean, it made it make more sense with this one. And you kind of saw hints towards that was going to be the case in the last one. But it was uh, it was solid. I mean, it, it made sense. It flowed nicely. It got progressively more messed up as the movie went. And it ended without being too chaotic, which I always appreciate in a horror movie. It's true. It did. I thought it ended pretty... Let's get into the ending. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we could, but uh, we could do whatever we want. This is our review. But uh, Rob, what are, what are your thoughts? I particularly want to hear your thoughts on this one because you are a, not only are you a 
typically a disliker of the prequels, but you're also a disliker of villain origin stories. So, yeah, usually both of those things are terrible. You generally don't need to know about the origin of a villain, and you definitely don't need to know about it after the fact of seeing what they've already done and seeing their ending. Like, usually it just feels like a cash grab, right? It's like, well, we ended this character, so how do we still make money off of it? Oh, we'll just do a prequel, right? Like, and we'll go to the origins. And it's like, well, I don't need to see the origins. I don't find that the case in this one. And it's for multiple reasons. I think you didn't really get a fleshed out character of Pearl in the in the movie X. Like, there's some character development there, and you're kind of seeing the, the peak, like the ending, the swan song of that character. And you never got to see the the crescendo, like the the upward arc of the character. You're only seeing the demise, right? You're never seeing them in their full glory. And the other thing I really liked about the difference, the difference of this movie is it doesn't look anything like X. This movie, like visually, is very bright, very striking. It looks very I was watching and I'm like, this looks like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Is what I kept looking at as I was watching the movie. I'm like, I love the the visual representation they did in this movie like the color like the filtering whatever they did was amazing and like it gave you that it still was high definition it still looked good but it felt like it was set in the time period that it was supposed to take place in like it just gave you that feeling of that of that era yeah i actually have that in my notes or had it in my notes as well was the um the lighting and the coloring in this movie just was not something you'd see in a typical horror movie and we talked about this with smile where a lot of the kill scenes and a lot of the scariest scenes happened during the day and were shot in broad daylight and all of them in this movie were shot during broad daylight and in the middle of the day which is vibrant colors gave me kind of like a suspiria feel you know you had that like yeah. almost like that that 1970s technicolor yep. it did not feel like 1970s technicolor um, but you know, it was kind of, it was just, everything was so bright and red, but, um, the, uh, the scenes that were shot in the dark, like for instance, that, um, one wasn't really like a horror, um, scene, but it was a, it was a fantastic scene was that during the storm at the dinner, mm-hmm. dinner table where you got a really, I thought a, another excellent acting performance by the woman who plays Ruth, Mia Goth's mother in this Pearl's mother. And, um, that was one of the best performances in the movie, I thought, by her. And it was, I think, unfortunately, overshadowed by just the Mia Goth's overall performance in the movie. But um, definitely not one to not be mentioned. That was really good. But but my point is, like, that was one of the only scenes that was really shot in the dark. And everything else, like all the horror scenes, um, were shot in broad daylight. And there's one in particular. It was the tracking scene with uh, Pearl following her sister-in-law, the blonde girl with the axe, just mm-hmm. no music, just following her down the road. Yeah. It's just really creepy. <laughs> uh, and I really like the way that, that was shot. But um, yeah, the scenes with the alligator and everything were just, they were all shot in broad daylight, full color. And it was really unconventional, but pulled off, I thought, masterfully. It was yeah. another movie that really didn't have to have things happen at night. And we kind of brought that up about Smile, where it was like anything can happen at any time of this this is a different kind of movie for that because in a movie like this you kind of expect creepy things to happen at night and this is a little bit different than x because in x a lot of the kill scenes did happen at night yeah in fact i'm not entirely sure if any of the kill scenes really happened during the day i think they might have all been at night but 
it's not a movie that I had to do it. And this one was, I give the credit for it. And it kind of matched with the rest of the movie, like you guys were saying, where it's very bright, very colorful, very red. Um, and that was kind of the style that the movie was shot in. And that, that was where most of the kill scenes happened. And I agree, the woman who played Ruth, that's uh, Tandy Wright, she played the mother. And she was consistent through that whole role. And uh, I don't know if she was German or what that accent was, but very German, very yeah. strict, strict mother. And the kill scene with her was was pretty brutal. Obviously, it was dragged out, and eventually she died. Uh, did she end up finishing her off, or she just kind of let her succumb to her injuries? I think it was implied that she let her succumb to her injuries, but mm-hmm. you never saw you never saw her die. You just saw her toss the limp body down the stairs. So, if she did kill her, it was off screen. But I mean, it, she was definitely the result of her death, or she right, was yeah, the cause she, of her death. Yeah, she but, was but for anyways. To go back into her character arc, like as you're seeing the movie start, like you, you already start to see the, like the mental psychosis of Pearl, right? So, you know, it's there, you see it right away with the, with the pitchfork, but the mother, you, you almost feel like she's just being this over strict mother, right? But her arc is she knows what her daughter is. And what she's trying to do is a hide her from the world and B keep her as under control as she can she doesn't know what to do with her who would right who right. would she know what to do she's a monster and you got hints of it early with uh, i think she killed the goose first and she's yeah, clearly but, killing the farm animals she steals one of the um alligator eggs and just brings it back and you think she's gonna like i don't know mother this thing and nest it and wait for it to be born and she just like goes up and just like, pop it's like just that was a great scene because they coupled it with her they they used it as a metaphor for her rage that her husband left her and went to war and it showed him walking down the street. And as she squished the egg, it showed him get basically hit with a landmine or a, yeah, and explode, which I think was kind of a, like I said, a metaphor for her um, resentment towards him for abandoning her on the farm when she thought that he was going to be her ticket off the farm. Right. Yeah. And Mia Goss performance, as you both have alluded to, is just amazing. I think it's such a great performance to show that some people are just broken, right? Like they are just unfortunately broken and we don't know how to help them. We definitely didn't know how to help them. And I think it's the 1910s that this is taking place or the 1920s. So it, yeah, it's, 1918. it's very, it's like a very sad thing, but you also can't really feel too much compassion for her based on what she's actually doing. And I did like a lot of the scenes where you went into her mental psychosis, right? Like what she's actually envisioning rather than what's actually happening. The mm-hmm. dance scene, for for instance, right? The dance scene, normally not my cup of tea. I'm normally not into the to the dancing and the singing, especially in a horror movie. Feel It would feel normally very, very out of place. But in this particular movie it fits perfectly. It shows you what she's envisioning, how she thinks people are seeing her or how she wants people to see her. And then it all comes crashing down, like right after you see that. And it all tied in. It tied in with the projectionist, Mm -hmm. tied in with the theater, her love for the theater. Um, Even it tied in with X because you had the projectionist who like basically introduced her to adult films. And then obviously they have their little affair and that doesn't end very well for the projectionist, which was a great scene with that scene with him kind of putting it all together that she is not, you know, playing with a full deck mm-hmm. um, was a really great scene, particularly in the barn where he was where 
she realizes that he sees something in her that her mother saw and she starts to panic and she kind of like a, a switch goes off. And uh, I thought that was a really good, it was really well written and well acted that particular, that particular scene. And that's kind of where the movies picked up and started. You saw what direction it was kind of going in. Yeah. So I, I think the movie overall, I, I just, again, for someone that doesn't like prequels and doesn't like, you know, that type of, because it feels like a cash grab. This one doesn't. For whatever reason, this feels very... It, it does feel like it should have came out first, almost. Right? Like, it's just so good. It's such a great character development of your villain that it could have been the first movie. And I think you can actually watch Pearl before you watch X. It might ruin one little teeny bitty thing, but I don't even think it's that big of a deal. Are you talking about the car? No, I'm just talking, talking about, about you know that the the, the the old woman will be the killer, right? Oh, you know, you know kind of a, yeah, you right. know it's the woman over the husband. Yeah, because when we watched X, I, I had your first implications are that the uh, the husband is the bad guy and the wife is uh, just right. a nice old lady, creepy but nice old lady. So you're right. Yeah, it could spoil that, but I could see it going the other way around, where you could definitely watch Pearl first and then watch X. And it tied up some things that you were waiting to see, like they never really said why there was this random old car just sitting half submerged in a pond and then they obviously solved that with this one with the projectionist he just dumped her car uh, dumped his car in the pond didn't do a very good job of hiding it but i guess at this time period good i mean enough. no reason for authorities <laughs> to show up and search the pro- property and she can get away with these kind of crimes so let's we got to hit on a couple of key scenes um what did you guys think of the scarecrow scene i thought it was uh disturbing and interesting and I thought you kind of got it was kind of it was part of her character arc the, mm-hmm. her overall character development and um, it kind of it kind of gave you a glimpse into um, X that one scene where she's dancing with the uh, kid in front of the car right when you find out that she's the killer in X and I think it was mm-hmm. kind of a throwback to that scene um, it was a very weird uncomfortable scene there was a lot of very weird uncomfortable scenes there was the scarecrow scene there was the scenes in the bathtub with her father which I thought were pretty weird Um yeah, but uh, yeah, all of it I think was part of um, them building her character and kind of painting her into the character that she was. Jesse, yeah, weird, but probably necessary. I mean, it, it was I was fine with it. I mean, it's just turning her into you kind of get these little ideas that she's a bit of a sexual deviant and just wants to bang scarecrows. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> who, who hasn't? Um, I think this is one of the main scenes that the color of the movie came into play perfectly just you you would pay attention to the color of the scene during a weird scene like that you strange person it it just fit the backdrop yeah i'm on amazon prime looking to buy a scarecrow and you're just paying attention to the color (laughs) just paying attention to the contrast and everything yeah you know like really looking at it for a movie review shame on me shame on me yes uh but I, I thought just everything kind of ties together great for what that movie is, like how uncomfortable it is, as you alluded to, Dave, really diving into the psychosis of of Pearl, the the again, the color, the contrast, everything about it just really is when it kind of set in for me, like, OK, now I kind of know where we're going with this movie and how we're going to develop this character a little bit. Not that there wasn't still more surprises to come along the way, but it really let you into who this character was. I thought as that, that's why I bring the scene up because I thought it was a a very important scene because I could see people 
being turned off by that scene, you know, of all the scenes in the movie. Yeah, it was one of the more um, definitely intentionally um, disturbing and uncomfortable scenes. And it wasn't the only one in the movie, like we mentioned, but it was one of them. Um, Another scene that I think is worthy of mention is the the end where after she where she props her dead parents up at the dinner table and you have the visual of the rotting pig as the centerpiece with the maggots coming out of it and you have the two corpses and she's there and then they go through this this whole thing where kind of everything's like split screen and you get like uh symmetrical mirror images of things like you had the pig on one you had her walking down the hallway in the red dress Mm. with the um the split mirror screen and that's that was intentional and that's actually a very creepy way of shooting something the human psyche is freaked out by perfect symmetry for some reason and that is something that is used over and over so you had it hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In actually the cover of the 2009 Orphan movie, you had Isabel Furman's face. And there's like, there's something about it if you look at that. And it's like, why is this image so disturbing? And the reason is because it's not just Isabel Furman's face. They cut it in half and mirrored it. So it's actually just a perfectly symmetrical shot of Isabel Furman's face. And that is intentional because it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. And for whatever reason, humans recognize perfect symmetry as something disturbing. And I think that was intentionally put in this scene. I thought it was really well done and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that one up, but now that you refresh my memory on it, it was quite disturbing. And I, I'm not even going to tr- attempt to do justice on it as much as you just did. So I, 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 just I'll go to Jesse if he has anything he wants to add to that. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not supposed to follow that up with all Dave's science and studies and <laughs> <laughs> I liked too. <laughs> all right. Do we want to talk about the kills before we start talking about the ending? Um, is there anything you want to really hit in on this? On yeah, this the, portion ki- of the, the movie? kills the kills were fun. There was nothing like um I don't think any, anything I saw was like crazy or like, like, wow, they're, you know, you know, rewriting the way that uh, slasher films are done. All the kills are pretty traditional. Um, I did like that one scene where after she uh, killed the blonde girl there um, of her being dismembered. Um, there's no way to say that without sounding like a psychopath, but I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was an interesting way to shoot it. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. they had it like split screen with something else. And um, yeah, I thought, I, I thought all the kills were pretty traditional, but they were, they were nicely done. It was fun. I was glad that she didn't feed her father to the alligator because I was like, ah, we had an alligator kill in the last movie. And then I think she was going to, but her mother showed up because I think she kind of saw what was about to happen there. And I mean, she still ended up killing him, but didn't feed him to the alligator. Yeah, I, did, I didn't need any more alligator kills after the absolute injustice that was bestowed upon Mr. Goose at the beginning. Yeah, right. yeah. Mr. Goose. <laughs> Poor Mr. Goose. was a tragedy. I was not, didn't like that scene. Um, important because it shows you I mean we're going to get into it in a second it really starts hitting from the monologue but the kills again nothing over the top but I didn't want anything over the top her character shouldn't be over the top 
right? Like, that's not who this type of killer is. She's sort of a spontaneous killer. Like, she takes advantage of what's in the moment. She doesn't really plan out. It's not, you know, it's not Michael Myers. It's not Freddy Krueger. It's somebody that's just a bit unhinged, a lot unhinged. And they're not planning these things out. They're just, oh, there's there's a pitchfork here. Oh, there's an axe here. That's what I'll use. And I'll use it as quickly as I can. Right. So it fits the character very well. All right. Let's get into what I think is the most important scene of the entire movie, which is the monologue. And holy shit, was this amazing. So I watched this movie in the theater a couple weeks ago. Uh, before we did this review, I went and found the monologue one more time just to watch it. And show me a better acting performance this year than that one scene from anybody at all. Yeah. Right? Like, right. she, like, it's just, it's one of the greatest. I mean, I'm willing to say it's one of the greatest, like, horror scenes ever. It's just, it's that fucking good. Like, excuse my language on it, but. Jesus, like it's just how do you and most of it's we're talking about the scene where she's sitting down with her sister and explaining everything that's wrong with her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, a message to her husband with her sister as the surrogate, yeah. The surrogate, yeah. Who increasingly gets more and more worried as the monologue goes on. Yeah, and I couldn't for that whole scene, I just couldn't wait for them to pan back over to her just to see the look of horror on her face, which we didn't yep. get. Um, but I think she was basically her act her character was just trying to play it cool. Because I think yeah. she was scared, obviously, out of her mind, and mm-hmm. rightly so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She, that monologue was uh, was was really, really, really well done. I think out of all of the the movie reviews that we've done this past year, all of them, right? Um, I think the one that I mentioned was like the best possible acting performance. Name me one that's better. Was the um, protagonist in the Babadook, and uh, this probably tops that for me. So yeah, not uh, just because the scene, the whole movie, but this scene was probably obviously like the you know, the highlight of her performance. It puts it over the top. Like she just absolutely crushes the scene. It's not a complete one continuous shot because in the beginning they do cut to the sister like a few times early, but at one point it just camera just stays on her and she just nails this entire monologue like in real time for the most, which is just it. I, and I just wonder how much of it's just coming off the top of her head. Like if she just has like a, an outline, I'm sure a lot of it's written, but you're not memorizing that entire thing, right? Like it is, it is a hell of, and if she does, then great. It's just a hell of a performance either way. It doesn't matter how she delivered it. She delivered it. And it just, that stuck with me more than anything. Maybe the post credits thing, but the, the monologue, post-credits. the monologue itself really, really stuck with me after this movie. Hundred um, percent, I agree. And you did bring up the post credits thing, or not post credits? It was during the credits, which was I my favorite credits of all time. <laughs> yeah. What they did was, if you haven't seen it, was they have the credits rolling, and they have uh, Pearl had just uh, welcomed her husband back home. Her husband walks into the scene at the dinner table with her dead parents' corpses propped up at the table and all the rotting food with maggots crawling over it, and he's just like, "What the." And he, and it just pans over to Pearl, who's sitting there just like with the most awkward smile. 
and she just holds it throughout like three quarters of the credits. And it's just, it's like a live shot of her just smiling yeah. and just trying to hold the smile. <laughs> it's just tiny so bit closer to her face. It's just slowly, slowly zooming in. I loved the end of it. I was watching so it. Good. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And I think even like a tear starts to come down her eye at yep, one point. Does, yep. And it's just, it's, it's so unsettling. You have all these brutal kills. Like they're, you know, brutal in the sense that like, they look like something that would really happen. And the most unsettling parts of this movie had nothing to do with killing, in my opinion. It was the monologue. It was maybe the scarecrow scene, but definitely the post credits is very, very unsettling. And you went and it's such a juxtaposition in the fact that you go from this monologue that's telling you everything to this straight shot of her saying nothing, but you still understanding everything. Right. Right. So it's just, it, it's amazing the way they did that. I just, you know, kudos to, to her for sure. And Ty West for just delivering this performance and making it a possibility. It was solid. It, it wasn't too, too long. It was an hour 43. So mm-hmm. we like the, we like the 90 minute marks here on hometown ghost stories, horror movie reviews. Um, so a little bit longer, but not too much longer. It, it, it felt like one- it was just about right. Just about yeah, I agree with that. And it was one that I didn't even realize what the runtime was. And when it ended, I was like, oh, fuck, it's over already. So, you know, it's good when they're packing, you know, you get an hour 40 or an hour 50 or whatever it was. uh, And you're like, oh, shit, it's over already. You know, it was fine, though. I mean, like there wasn't like too much more that I I thought they needed to do. I mean, they could have sprinkled in one or two more kills, but they didn't really need to. No, but my point was that it wasn't it didn't feel dragged out. Right. right. Looking at your watch, you know, like, when is this going to end? Well, you, you can do more than an hour and a half as long as you're developing something like when you're doing like a straight slasher movie, like a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees movie, a Friday the 13th, I don't need more than 90 minutes. You're not developing those characters really. Or, you know what I mean? Like, so you can jump right into it. I know what Jason Voorhees is. I know what he's going to do. Start it off, finish it off. Let's, let's get through this in 90 minutes and call Mm -hmm. it a day. And the movie was good enough. Like, like, you didn't need X to happen for this movie to be a good movie on its own. Right. So standalone, it's fine. Prequel, who cares? It was it was just a good good movie from start to finish. Yeah. Are they doing a sequel to X too? Did yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. They shot it at the same time, I believe. I know they shot these two at the same. I think time. they shot these two at the same time. Oh, did they? they? Oh, then I I do think they're doing the sequel as well. But um, yeah, do we want to get into some scores? Yeah. Jesse, you want to hit us with your? their score on it yeah it's a it's a four six for me it's up there it was good it was uh solid all the way through i didn't really have any problems with it like i said it was a little bit slow to pick up but i knew that was kind of what a24 was going to do and it was fine because this was a prequel not a sequel and you didn't have to have a bunch of kills right away you're right about the a24 thing a lot of a24 movies are kind of slower and slower builds and for me a24 movies are very hit or miss and this one what i think sets up what sets this one apart from other a24 films is we weren't getting bludgeoned over the head with some ham-fisted message that they want to get across right this was just a movie about a serial killer and um that's why i mean it's you get the typical a24 slow build which i think was fine i thought it worked out well in this one but I really like that they didn't, you know, just try and beat us over the head with some message they're trying to get across. Uh, this one's an easy five for me. Uh, I think it's easily the best film of 2022 that we've watched so far. I mean, best horror film of 2022 that we've watched so far that we definitely that we've reviewed. Um, so, yeah, for that, it's, for me, it's a five. Yeah, I, I do think the message in the movie that they're getting across without without forcing it on you 
is just like, again, people are broken. Some people are just broken and, and they know it. Right. So like that, not to dive into what we've already talked about. I'm just going to give it a five because I love this movie. I thought everything on it was great. It, X was a was a good movie. I don't think I gave that a five. It wasn't five worthy for me. This one is five. I I don't know if I'll ever give a prequel a five again. <laughs> I, I, right? Like it's just it's usually not my cup of tea. But this character was deserving of a prequel and an origin story, whereas most usually aren't. She definitely was. And the other thing I want to hit on real quick is you brought it up real fast earlier is the chase scene i it just so unsettling like like it's such a good chase scene she's doing the fast walk she's not running she like it's reminiscent of other like big name horror killers and but the lack of music and just the pure feel of dread yeah it's the impending doom you know she's yeah. gonna catch up of course yeah. she's stumbling with her heels <laughs> yeah know, yeah you know what's gonna happen you know what's funny is i i I wasn't expecting a five out of Dave until we started talking about it. Cause obviously it sounded like you liked everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you had texted earlier, you said, I'm enjoying the credits. I said, huh, he didn't like the movie. He's glad he's at the credits. <laughs> and then I remembered what the credits were, yeah. which was her, you know, <laughs> smiling into the camera and it kind of made it better. So yeah. um, if I had known you guys were going to five, so I wouldn't give a damn four to six. <laughs> anyway. What a piece of trash I am going to the four to six. <laughs> Anyway. it's authentic uh, though it's authentic that's your it's, it is authentic I, I is it is it on the same level as as some of the other movies that i've given a five no and i'm a little bit more i'm not as giving with my fives as as you two i do i do give out fives like 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 candy i don't, I don't <laughs> if, think I, I, if I love a horror movie i'm giving it a five it's just it's it's easy for me yeah i, I don't think, think we need to give them out too too much do you think we guys go to a 10 scale you think we're gonna get some more Technically, really it's it's more than a five scale because we break them into decimal. We points. do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're good with the way we do it. Um, but yeah, I don't give out the fives too too often. I always try to find a way that even if I really really like a movie, if I can find something to tick it off to give it a four eight or a four nine, I try to do that. And I was actually trying to do it with Pearl. I'm like, what can I knock on this movie to to drop it from a five? And I was still trying to think of it as we did the review, and I'm like. I liked everything. There's nothing. I don't have anything that I can sit here and say, this is why I'm not giving it a five. And, you know, that's, that, that's yeah, how I have fun. to give it a five. Like, like with X, one of the only reasons I didn't give it a five, and I think all of our scores are pretty high on X, mm-hmm. or one of the reasons that I didn't even consider it was just Mia Goth was playing the old lady as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it because of that. And obviously it ties into this one, but it still was unnecessary. And she doesn't mm-hmm. have to look like Mia Goth with bad prosthetics on. Nope. So, but you know, if you want a full breakdown on how much we hated the uh, casting of a young woman as an old woman in that movie, then go check out our review on X. We did review that one as well. Uh, okay. So we had our, we had our ratings. Let's take a quick second here to thank our patrons. We have a couple of new VIPs. Mike B has upgraded his status to a VIP on Patreon and Mallory K. Thank you so much to those two VIPs. We also have Jeannie R jimmy h justin t lisa j mom and pops wilkins Stephen v and the demon king those are all vips now this vip list is growing how so scared you are you to miss a name now are you like terrified you're gonna miss somebody i am yeah you see me reading slower <laughs> usually i just fly through it i also can't read jake v stephanie a sydney b anthony angry dave rocks t brandon w captain mcslugs cody g Kiralee j 
Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah, Dave Loves Bacon R, Sarah W, Soph M, and Hooper. Thank you guys so much. If you guys are looking to get in on Patreon, we have a brand new batch of stickers that we're about to release. Very excited about that. We'll talk more about that on the uh, Tuesday show with the live crowd. And also a bunch of cool perks. You get ad-free episodes. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, wow, I'm sick of hearing ads about sausages or whatever our ads are about, then that's okay. You can uh, you can join Patreon and get ad-free episodes. I like our sausage ads. Every time the sausage ad plays, I'm pumped. I'm like, yeah. I don't think I've gotten the sausage ad yet. You haven't heard the sausage ad? I'm like, I get I get excited. We get that and uh, there's an occasionally like a meatball ad. So if you were listening to this ad-free, guess what? We just hit you with a sausage ad anyways. Take yep. that. <laughs> I didn't Shows name the you for giving us money. Just give me a chance to talk about sausages and meatballs. <laughs> I'll do it. Hey, whatever our sausage ad company is, you want a live read? I'll do it. Anyways, moving on. So, uh, yeah, join Patreon for for things like that. Yeah. Um, so now that we've said all that, do we have any closing thoughts on the movie, or did we kind of just hit everything? Jesse? I think we covered it all perfectly. Mm. But if Jesse has something to add, no, I think we we pretty much covered it. All right, so that is going to do it for us on this episode of Hometown Ghost Stories Horror Movie Reviews. We wanted to thank everybody, which we already did. You can obviously catch us every Tuesday night live, 9 p.m. every week. New episode on the podcast comes out on Wednesdays. You're going to be able to catch us on a few different things. If you go to Two Guys on Block Island, you can listen to kind of the origin of the, sto- of the show there. We kind of hit on that with those guys. We're going to be on Talk as Jericho again very soon. I'm going to be on Safe Room talking about Resident Evil 2 in the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check us out on some other places and support some other shows that are doing great things, you can do that. But until next time, that's been Jesse, Dave, and I'm Rob. Peace.